0: If you have your Bibles with you, um, you don't really have to jump around, but you can go to the Gospel of John with me, John chapter 14. We're going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to go to John chapter 14. And we are going to start a series this morning called Spirit-Led. Spirit-Led. Why are we having a series about the Spirit? Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Um, This is, I think one of the most important things next to the actual message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. When Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all men, what he was saying really was, go spread the good news of Christ. That was the first thing that he was saying. And then teach people how to walk in relationship with me. So the first thing he was saying was, the most important thing that's going to transform your life is getting to know who I am and making a decision to follow me. That's the foundation of the gospel. And the gospel just means good news. I believe the second most important thing for us to know is how the Holy Spirit fits into all of this. Because we live in a world right now where I believe there is a battle that's going on for the lives of mankind. And Jesus uh, came to the world to give an opportunity for us to have abundant life. We've heard that before in John 10.10. I've come that you would have life and have life to the full. An abundant life. And the church, which are followers of Jesus, are supposed to be living examples of that life. And how we accomplish that is not something we can do in our own strength. It's something that can only happen through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is actually the catalyst that allows us to do this. There's a thematic verse we're going to use through this series uh, called Spirit-Led, and it comes out of Galatians 5.16, and I want to read that for you. When Paul says to the church in Galatia, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to believers, and he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not desire or you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Remember, there's this battle that's going on in every one of our lives. It's a very real battle. If we're being real honest about ourselves internally, what we would say is if you're here this morning and you've made a decision to follow Christ and you've chosen to walk with him and you're a believer, I don't want to assume everyone in this room is, but I want to say if you have, then you are our follower of Christ. You're a believer. There is a war that's being waged against your soul right now. For those that have chosen to follow Christ, you can choose to take steps closer to God, or you can choose to take steps for yourself. You can choose to serve God, or you can choose to serve yourself. I can choose to walk in obedience to God, or I can walk in disobedience to God. That is the battle, the tug of war, that we wrestle with every day of our lives. And it's a real battle because we are being made new internally, Paul says, In 2 Corinthians, we're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.16. And the new part of us wants to come out so that every part of us represents the new. Does that make sense? This is really, really important. It's foundational. We have to know that there's something new in us that was birthed that wants to flourish. That God planted something in us, salvation. We were saved through our faith. The Holy Spirit inhabits us and changes us. And he is the one that helps us walk in the ways of God. So this scripture is so foundational because in my daily walk, I'm going to have to choose every day. Paul says in Colossians to clothe ourselves in righteousness. Every day I have to get up and I've got to say, I'm going to walk with God or am I going to walk with me? Am I going to desire to look more like Jesus today or am I going to desire to continue to stay looking like me? Are my words going to look more like Christ, or are they going to or does they sound more like Christ, or are they going to sound more like me? Are my thoughts going to be thoughts that are more like Jesus, or are my thoughts going to be thoughts that are more like me? This is what we deal with every day of our lives. Are my priorities going to be priorities that look like Jesus, or are they going to be priorities that look like me? And you can fill in whatever thing you want preferences, priorities, opinions, the way that we love, the depth in which we love, the words that we say, the work that we do, all of it is directly linked to how we walk in the Spirit. Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The New Living Translation version says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This is foundationally the most important thing after knowing Christ that I think we need to know in the church in our own personal lives, because this tug of war is a real tug of war. I wonder anyone in this room, is anyone courageous enough to to raise your hand and go like, "I, I feel that in my life. I know this tug of war. Anybody here know the tug of war we're talking about? Okay, good. Hands are up. But some hands were like, well, my head's down, but my hands up, Pastor Paul. That's okay. Listen, here's the reality of it is, of it. Okay. The reality is whether your hand was up or your hand was not up, you're a target. It doesn't matter whether you see it or not, it is legitimately what's going on. If you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, can I tell you that the strategy that the enemy uses is to keep your eyes blinded from the truth. Well, that sounds judgmental. It's not judgmental. I promise you this is why. Because God gave us his son and his spirit so that he gives an extended opportunity for you to experience true life. If you have never given your life to Christ to say, I'm going to become a follower of Christ, the enemy of our hearts, of our souls, tries to keep us blinded to say, never choose that. Always choose you and don't walk in that way. So that's the first tactic. The second is if you've made that step and you've crossed over, if you say, spiritually speaking, and, and you become made new and Christ has made you new and the Spirit lives in you, this is the new tactic, the tug of war that we feel every day. Are they going to grow and become more like Jesus? Or can I keep yanking in this way and tell them that the flesh is more important than the Spirit? That's why 21 days of prayer and fasting is so significant in our church. Because 21 days in the month of June is... Or January, I'm sorry. Maybe that was prophetic. Maybe we're going to do it again in June. 21... Look at some of you. You're like, no way. Maybe 21 days in the month of January is about saying no to our flesh and yes to our spirit. Telling our flesh no. Telling our spirit yes. That's so important for you and I to remember today. And what Paul is saying here again is let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The key to not walking in sinfulness is to let the spirit lead us. So naturally we need to know who the Holy Spirit is. We need to know what his role is in our life. We need to know how he works. We need to know everything. And and this is the part, If if there's one key that we know that we need to understand about something, we will learn everything we need to know about that so that we can fix whatever's going on. You know, in a practical way, when I think about this, I think about over and over again, friends and family members that I've known that have heard the harsh news when, when someone they know is diagnosed with a life-threatening illness like cancer or something else that, that is life-threatening, that people go into research mode. You ever been a person, any, any researchers in this room? Any researchers, like the internet is your friend but also your foe? You know what I'm talking about? You know, research, Terry, put your hand, both hands up there, Terry. Okay, because you got both hands up there. right? We've got researchers in this room, and when, we're no, when we know that someone close to us or maybe ourselves are diagnosed with something that could be life-threatening, we can go into research mode. Why? Because we want to learn everything we can learn about the situation and about the potential cure. And this is no different the struggle that we have is real in this world. Do we satisfy ourself or do we walk in relationship with God? Do we allow the sinful nature to overtake us or do we overtake the sinful nature? So when we know that there is a solution and Paul gives it to us, he just hands it to us in five sixteen. He says, let the Holy spirit be your guide. If you let him guide your life, you're not going to satisfy the sinful nature. It means your thoughts won't be your own thoughts. It means the way that you used to think will go away. It means your generosity will look more like Jesus. Your priorities will look more like Jesus. Your church, our church, will look more like Jesus. Our definition of community will look more like Jesus. Look, can I be real direct about this? our marriages will look more like Jesus. Our parenting will look more like Jesus. Our friendships will look more like Jesus. Why? When we let the Holy Spirit guide us, he shows us the way. This is truth. But the reality of it is, we think many times that we know the way. And we will figure it out. So we go to God and we come to church. And and I'm not making any statements individually about people. So please don't don't say, well, he's talking to me. I know he's talking to me. Well, maybe I am. It's the Holy Spirit telling you. But I have no individual people in mind through this, this message. This is a human condition that we also always wrestle with. People walk through the doors of churches all around our world. And they say their prayers and sing their songs and take their communion and walk out. And they live just like they did before they walked in. And they wonder why their marriages are falling apart. And they wonder why their kids are, are crazy all over the place. And they wonder why no one, you know, they don't love God or their family wants nothing to do. Or parents, parents don't have a genuine experience. I go back years ago and I think of families that I knew that were connected with our church many, 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 many years ago. When I, was, when I still had hair. And we were before we were a bridge, and I'm going back, remembering people that used to walk through the doors of this church, and I would look at the family, and I would look at the parents, and I'd look at the kids, and I'd say, those kids are going to walk away from the church when they get older because the way the parents lived when they came in and the way they actually lived outside were completely different. And the message they're telling their kids is there's no consistency in this. There's no reality in this. And we can all fall into that category in different measures because we're all imperfect people. But what Paul is challenging us to do is to say, your life is supposed to be consistent. My life is supposed to be consistent. And I'm supposed to consistently be looking more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. This is so important for us to understand. If we go back into the Old Testament, we see it is the Holy Spirit that transforms people. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us look different. When Moses was having that powwow with God and God was upset with Israel and in the book of Exodus, and, and God tells Moses, I'm not going with you. They're your people. God's like, Moses' is like, what? No, they're your people that you took out of Egypt, out of slavery. And if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going to look any different than the rest of the world. And can I tell you, this is, grieves my heart when I say this, but so often I look at the bigger church today and I look at so many people that claim Christianity and I go, do we look any different than the world? Our tactics are the same. Our strategies are the same. Our programs are the same. The difference is we put a cross on ourselves and we sing some music. We go home, and we give a little bit of money and I look at it and go, that is not the, the church that Jesus died for. That is not the church that Jesus died for. Now, you might be here going like, yeah, I'm on board with that. And that's what I believe. Can I tell you, that is not a condemnation on the whole church. So I don't speak in generalizations like that. But I know that it is a thread of illness and infection that has been going through the larger church for way too long. For way too long. If you've been paying attention and you live in the Lansdale area, you know... That This weekend was a big weekend in Lansdale because a drag queen had a story time at the public library. Can you believe a drag queen? Well, I was there. And I walked through the protesters and the anti-protesters. And I walked into the library and saw the hundreds of people that went in to sit during the story time. And can I tell you what grieved me the most? Um, This is like, can I get in trouble for this? I was not grieved by the people who wanted to have story time by the drag queen. I was grieved by the people that call themselves Christians that stood at the protesting line, screaming at people, telling them that God loved them. Those people were in the wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. Because scripture shows us. He shows us in his word that the people that don't have the spirit don't know anything. And we condemn people who don't know the word, who don't know the presence of God. And we have people on the other side of that line with their stupid picket signs saying what's right and what's wrong and condemning people. Meanwhile, on the other side of the line, there's a lady there and a couple people there that are talking about a flat earth theory. I'm like, these people still exist. Flat earth people are there. And you know what the people around them are saying? If you're flat earth, I'm sorry. I, I still love you, but really? And we're sitting there, and I'm watching these people talk about flat earth, and you know what the people around them are saying? This lady's making more sense than those protesters across the street. That's what they're saying as I'm walking through the crowds, and my heart was grieved. Here's why my heart is grieved, because Jesus didn't protest. He never took a a picket sign. He never held a sign and walked around and tell everybody what he was against. You know what he did? He protested the spiritually pious people, who told everybody they were better than everybody else. He said, you don't even get it. You don't even know who I am. The Son of God is here. God is in the flesh, and you don't even see me. He went after them. But you know what he did for everybody else? He loved them. He loved them. Listen, people misinterpret something. They think, oh, well, if, if, I, if I participate in something, then surely they're going to think that I condone the lifestyle. I, all I could think of when I was sitting there, I was like, Jesus went, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. And everybody condemns Zacchaeus. He was a short little nobody who was a traitor and stole money from his own people. And Jesus didn't look at him and go, I pick at Zacchaeus. I'm upset at Zacchaeus. Let's form circles. He looked at him and he said, Zacchaeus, come into your house to have dinner with you tonight. And it was the love of Christ that came through a heart of compassion. Can I tell you, that only happens when we are spirit-led. Spirit-led led. The Spirit does not protest. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. I don't care about that stuff. And I heard people say some horrible things about Christianity yesterday and I was broken walking through those crowds saying our country is screwed up. Where is the church? Where is the church? Just because you give food to somebody, just because you love somebody, doesn't mean that you condone their behavior. Just because you're there to lock arms with someone else to go... Hate is not okay. It doesn't mean we can't have an opinion. Does God want us to live with an attitude of of sexual perversion? Of course not. Is it God's will and God's plan for us to condone all types of lifestyles and behaviors? Of course not. But when He sat at the well with the woman in Samaria and He looked at her and He asked her for a drink, He didn't say, You slut, look what you've been doing. With all these men that aren't even, that your five husbands and the guy, the lady that you're, the men that you're with now isn't even your husband. He spoke truth to her life. He talked to her about living water. He met her where she was. And they moved on. When the woman that was caught in adultery, he'd say, you whore. When everyone wanted to stone stoner in protest, in protest. You know, I think is interesting about that story. You know, the people were the drop the stones first, the old men. Go back and read it. Everyone that had the stones, you know who dropped the stones first? The old men. You know why? Because when you're older, you're supposed to be wiser. And they realized faster than anybody else, "Um, we're in trouble here, and we need to let this go, and we need to back out. And the young guys are ready to just throw it. And then once they see the old guys going, they're like, oh, maybe we don't know as much as we think we do. Jesus met her right where she was. See, being a follower of Christ isn't about just telling everybody what they're doing that's wrong. Oh, our country is going to go to hell. Oh, our country, our president, our leadership. Yeah, I'm grieved over the things we've seen over the last couple of weeks. I'm grieved over the fact that we look at our country and we go, we are celebrating as a nation when a state illuminates the World Trade Center Tower because we can murder babies on the day they're supposed to be born. This is wrong. I'm allowed to say it's wrong, but I'm not allowed to condemn people. I'm not allowed to do that. The gospel shows us I'm not supposed to do that. You go, what does this have to do with what you're talking about, Pastor Paul? Because when we are spirit-led, God does not motivate us to protest. He doesn't ask us to fight spiritual battles with physical means. He asks us to fight spiritual battles with spiritual means. That doesn't mean that we just sit quietly and close our eyes and just say, oh God, please do something. He calls us to act and he calls us to love and he calls us to mobilize. He calls us to do those things. Why? To be a light in a dark world. This is the truth that we're in, church. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, he says. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This is what I want to share. Look, when the Holy Spirit leads us, look at this. When the Holy Spirit leaves us, we will look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. If you want to know, how do you know if you're being spirit led? How do you know if you're being spirit led? People have all these ideas of what it looks like. And we live in a world right now. I came out of a very traditional Baptist background where the Holy Spirit was on paper. He was a Holy Spirit that lived in us. But all the gifts, the abilities, the wonders, the signs, the miracles, that was all for thousands of years ago. And this is what we're going to do. And listen, those people love Jesus. And they do have the spirit in them. And I can tell you stories of how the Spirit spoke to them. Still a small voice. And then you have people on the other side. The real, real strong Pentecostal people. Oh, Spirit-led is about what it looks like on Sundays. It's about your services. It's about having to fall over and be crazy. It's about laughing. It's about all this other stuff. And listen, what I want to say is that neither one of them are really right. Some things are true in each camp. But the most important thing that we need to remember, and if you want a measurement and a gauge, is not to look at the culture the culture says what things look like. Spirituality and culture says, I have to wear these clothes, act this way, raise my hands, say this, come to the altar, sit down, stand up. You know, this is culture. True spirituality is that when we, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we look more like Jesus and less like ourselves. That is so important for you and I to remember because we need to demystify the work of the Holy Spirit in 2019. If we want to be a light in the world and not try to fight spiritual issues with physical means. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead us. We need to let the Holy Spirit open doors in our hearts and around us. Paul is saying in Galatians five sixteen the solution to not staying the way we are is to let the Holy Spirit take charge of our lives. Before we reach the world, we're going to reach our backyards and our communities and before we reach our communities, we're going to reach the people in our church. And before we reach the people in our church, we're going to reach the people in our homes. And before we can ever reach the people in our homes, God's got to change our own heart. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what does God need to change in you first? We can't love Jesus and hate our spouse. We can't love Jesus and and oppress our children. We can't love Jesus and smile to people on a Sunday and go home and rip them up and down and talk gospel, uh, gossip about them. I remember years ago when I did, a, when I did a, a, a funeral, years ago, I still remember this and I was like, I never ever would have thought this listening to this person. And I did a funeral many years ago and, and a family member came to me after the funeral and they said, I, I love my, my parents and, and I don't remember which, which parent passed away at that point when they had this conversation with me, but both of their parents were gone And they said, I grew up in the church. My mom and dad modeled what it looked like to go to church and to love God and to open the word and all those things. I'm like, that's wonderful. And my heart was just like, was, you know, aligned to that. And they said, but you know, one of the one thing that really like screwed me up in my relationship with Christ. And I said, no, they said every Sunday, whatever was on the menu, we were still eating roast preacher. Now that's, that's old school talk for ripping the speaker up and down at home. And some of you know what that's like. I know in talking to people that that's not an uncommon thing in different churches and stuff. And what I would say is, and I was grieved when I had to heard them say that because I was like, wow, what you're really saying is that the Spirit was not allowed to take charge of those people's lives. Because instead of actually modeling it across their whole world, across the church, across the their the work environment, with their families, they they... they They um, siloed it so it looked a certain way in a certain context, and then they actually were closed-hearted to other things. Can I tell you, when the Holy Spirit leads you, we will look more like Jesus, and you will look less like yourself. And that is true for each one of us to know this morning. So what I want to do today is I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to just, this is just laying a foundation this morning. And and I was like, Lord, how are we going to do this? How are we going to talk about it? I want to talk about some very, very simple things. And I want to encourage you to come every week to walk through this because there are so many people that have misunderstandings of who the Spirit is and how He works. And it will absolutely transform the way that you see Him if you see Him in a healthy way and then allow Him to work in you. So we're going to look at two questions this morning briefly. First, who is the Holy Spirit is the first question. And number two, what is his main role? There are many roles, and you're going to hear about that over the course of the next couple of weeks. But who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit, and what is his main role? First question is this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Simply this. He is the personal presence of God. Okay? He is not a part of God. He is not God with a new role. That's called modalism, when you have one God in three different roles. He is fully God, and he is fully person. We believe in the triune God in this church. We believe doctrinally in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that the Godhead is one God in three persons. So he is the full presence of God, okay? His function is unique and perfect, just like God's function is unique and perfect, Jesus' function is unique and perfect, but they're not three roles. They're three persons. Now, you might sit there and go, I don't know the difference. I don't get it. Listen, I don't get it either. I've read, I've looked, I'm like, there's so many ways of trying to illustrate this. The reality of it is, God's ways are higher than mine, and I'm never going to totally figure it out. But I'm going to give you a, a little picture of it, and I'm sure that will give you something to think about. The triune God might look something like this, okay? You've got the Father on the top, the Son on the bottom left, and the Holy Spirit on the bottom right. Three different components, they're all God in the middle, but their roles and their functions are slightly different, but they are three full persons, and they are fully divine. The Father creates... The Son implements and the Holy Spirit administers. Okay, if you say, well, what exactly does that mean? I'm going to show it to you in Ephesians 2.18 when Paul says this. Look, he says, and because of Christ, all of us can come to the Father by the same Spirit. So what is he saying? Because of Christ, Christ was the implementer. He's the one that actually did the work. He created the bridge. We can come to the Father. The Father is the one who had the plan from salvation in the beginning. And how do we do it? Through the administration of the Holy Spirit. God's plan was always that salvation would come and we would be restored with him. He was the one who orchestrated the plan. Jesus was the one who implemented it by hanging on that cross and paying the price for you and I. And he is the one that stands in our place. So that as we stand before God, God doesn't look at you and me and see condemnation and sin. He looks at his son and says he took all that so that you don't have to. But the Holy Spirit, he's the person of God that gives us the strength and the power and the wisdom to walk as God created us to walk. So we know God the Father and we understand Jesus The Spirit is where we get tripped up sometimes. And we wonder, why is it hard for us to live a Christian life? Why is it hard for us to say no to the fleshly things? Because the Spirit is the one who administers. He is the one that puts us on the right path. He's the one that shows us the way, who strengthens us. He's the one that gives us wisdom. He's the one that reminds us that death lost the battle on the cross. Without the Spirit, guys, we're wasting our time. We need the Spirit to be able to walk an empowered life or else we will forever be struggling. So this is important to know. When I talked about one God in three persons, when we refer to the Holy Spirit, He is a He. He is not an it. He is not a ghost. I know, well, the King James Version said He was a ghost. I know, but He's not like a ghost. When I was a kid and I heard the Holy Spirit was a ghost, that didn't draw me close to Him. It freaked me out. You know, I was the generation of Casper the Friendly Ghost, you know? I'm like, oh, he's a ghost. He just floats around. He's not a ghost. He's a he. We don't refer to him as an it. He's not an apparition. I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm a Star Wars buff. Is the Holy Spirit kind of like the force? No, he's not. He's not made of midichlorians. He doesn't just indwell your blood. No, he's not a force. He is a he. And I want you to think about this. This is why this is so important. When we personify things, they take on a new meaning in our life. Here's what I mean by that. When you hear stories of people in Africa that are dying of starvation, it might bother you. When you see television broadcasts of people in your city or your town that you walk by that are hungry, it might move you. If your kid is sitting at the table with no food, it will transform you. This is why this is so important to know about the Holy Spirit. He is not an it. He is a he. He is a person. Not only is he just a person, but in Hebrews 3:7 it says he speaks. In Acts 15:28 it says he reasons. In 1 Corinthians 2:10 through 11, he thinks and he understands in 1 Corinthians 12:11 he wills things to happen in Ephesians 4:30 he feels and in 2 Corinthians 13:14 he gives personal fellowship with us he is not an it my friends he is a he and when we look at him through the perspective of who he is a he some people some people make it more personal and call him a he, by, instead of referring to him as the Holy Spirit, they just get rid of the the and they just say his name is Holy Spirit. Okay? It's a preference thing. It's not a right or a wrong thing. We can go back to Matthew 28 and say that he says, baptize us, baptize all believers or followers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But calling him Holy Spirit is a way of saying he's a he. He's a he. And when he lives in you, he has feelings. He can be nurtured. He can be encouraged. He can be permitted to work. When he lives in you, he can take you places. He can be offended. He can be excitable. He can be grieved. The Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Paul says in Thessalonians not to put out the Spirit's fire. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There are all kinds of examples when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, that we can remember that he is God's personal presence and he is the instructor, which brings me to the second question today, which is simply this. What is his main role? What is his main role? Again, there's many roles, and we're going to talk about that over the next number of weeks. But his main role, I believe, that I see in Scripture is simply this. The Holy Spirit is our divine Helper. He is our divine helper. Okay? Now, I I need someone just to help me with this. Can I get can I get a, a volunteer that would will be willing to come up here and help me just for a moment? I promise it won't make you embarrassed or anything like that. And come on, Dalen. I know that your hand was gonna go up. Come on up here. Give Dalen a round of applause for a second. Come on. Come on, Dalen. Okay. So so Dalen, I'm giving you a job, okay? I don't want you to actually do it. I want you to, like, act. You're, you can act, right? I know you can act. I've seen you act before, okay? I want you to take this water bottle, okay. and I want you to pretend like you're opening it, okay? Don't actually, like, do it. Just, like, make it look like. Don't actually do it. Just, okay, no, no, I don't mean, okay, just pretend like you're doing it. Like, show, like, if I was going to take a still shot, okay? You don't have to make that face, okay? Show me like you're doing something hard and you're trying to do it, okay? Okay, he's opening the bottle, okay? The Holy Spirit is our divine helper, okay? Now, Dalen would be any one of us, okay? For the moment, I'm going to be the Holy Spirit, okay? When you... Th- don't laugh. Just for a moment, okay? You could say he's got more hair than you, Pastor Paul. He probably does, okay? But, but there's different directions, different definitions of helper that I want to talk about just for a moment, okay? Dalen is every one of us doing work, okay? And when we say the Holy Spirit is our helper, different definitions can come to mind. We could have this definition as our helper. Go ahead, don't do anything. Just, just sit there. He's working, and what's the Holy Spirit doing? He's got his hands in his pockets. Why? Well, anyone ever be a helper for, like, a dad or a mom when you were little? You know, like, hey, can I help you fix the car? Can I help you make dinner? And when you're young, like, sometimes what do the helpers do? They just watch the worker do it. And then every once in a while, the worker will throw him a bone. Hey, go get this thing for me. And then they go, and then they pick it up, and then they, they give it to you, right? And you do that, right? That, that's one definition of a helper, right? That's not the divine helper's role. Because if that's the divine helper's role, we're in a lot of trouble. Because we're the ones doing the work, and he's the one sitting back watching us, because he's just here if we need him. Okay? Right? There's another definition of help. You can put that on the, on the, the stand there for me. Um, can you just hold your hand out for me just for a second? Good, good. Um, So, you know what? I'm going to make this fun. How much is this? $100, right? Right? $100, baby. Don't take it. (laughs) I'm still the Holy Spirit in this example. And what's happening here? I need, I want, I have a plan. Holy Spirit, can you finance this? Can you fund this? Can you do what I want to do? This isn't the role of the Holy Spirit either. What do you mean? He gives us good gifts, doesn't he? Yes, he does. But bear with me just for a moment. Sorry, I didn't mean to tease you like that. Oh, so you don't care? Okay, good. Ask your dad. He's got a bunch of them, I'm sure. Okay. There's, there's one more position that I just want to show you briefly, okay? This is, this is a big one, okay? So, so you're getting ready to walk, okay? You're getting ready to walk down this path, okay? What if the Holy Spirit goes like this and puts his hand around Dalen? And then I'm pointing. See what I'm doing? Okay, I'm pointing. And then we, yeah, I know. I'm not asking you to leave. But let's point and just walk slowly together. Let's just say we walk, okay? And we just start walking. Come on down here. Okay. We're going to walk you right back to your seat. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm going to point you right here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you right here where you're going to go. And we're going to sit down right back there again. Okay. Thank you. Would you thank David and Dalen for his help? (laughs) please? It's primitive. And I'm sure we could make it a better example. But that's closer to what the divine helper's role really looks like. Jesus shows us this in John 14, verse 15. He says this. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will do as I command. Okay? That's really awesome. And then look what he says in verse 16. This is cool. Then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit, who will help you and always be with you. Stop there for a second. We just saw salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in two verses. Jesus said, If you love me, you will do as I command. And what was the first thing that he said Follow me, follow me, follow me. If you choose to obey me and follow me, you're going to be saved. And then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come from God and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will always be with you. The Spirit, verse 17, the Spirit will look, show you what is true. The people of this world cannot accept the Spirit because they don't see or know him. Think about this in light of what happened yesterday. But you know the Spirit who is with you and will keep on living in you. This is what we need as a church. We need to be reminded of the fact that the Spirit of the living God is alive and well. And Jesus says, if you choose to follow me and do as I command, I'm going to ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? The Holy Spirit will do what? He will help you. Say it with me. Help you. And always be with you. In verse 17, he'll show you what is true. He is going to be. And we'll see later on in the series what a counselor looks like. What an advocate. What the spirit of life looks like as we walk in obedience to him. The comforter. The guide. The teacher. The power source. The gift giver. All of these things that we see that make up who the Holy Spirit is. All comes from him being our divine helper. As we get ready to close this morning and the worship team comes, I want to ask you to take a few moments and I want you to just think about this this morning. Do you find yourself in your personal walk trusting more in your ability or God's ability? Do I find myself trying to solve the world's problems in my understanding or do I lean on God's understanding? Am I trying to solve spiritual issues with physical means? For when we're led by the spirit, we will no longer fulfill the sinful desires of the flesh. Jesus said in John 15, 26 and 27, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, look what he says. He will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the very beginning. If I could boil it all down, what I would say is simply this. When we are led by the spirit, we testify to the world of the love of God. That doesn't mean that we don't speak truth. It doesn't mean that we don't have convictions You know, the world isn't just a big place where we hug and condone everything that happens. That's not what it means. What he's saying is he will testify in truth. And I want you to just bear with me just for one more moment. When we think about everywhere the apostle Paul went, the apostle Paul spoke truth to the people that he ministered to. He brought love and grace in the places that he ministered to, but he also brought a demonstration of the spirit's power. We can say what truth is. We can practice grace and love to the best of our ability. Where's the power? Where's the power? See, I watched some people on the streets yesterday screaming and yelling at people. I took a video of one of them. I'm like, I'm becoming one of those people that you see on social media videoing this. And I watched someone point and scream at someone else's face back and forth. And then the guy came over and he had this he had this wonderful shirt on it was an expletive about our president and it was it was wonderful he's screaming and yelling at this person and then i had a very brief conversation with him but you know what i thought was really interesting i wasn't threatened i wasn't offended because i know the heart of god is to love people you know there was one sign that was posted about that that person that came to speak the story yesterday Annie, guy, girl, guy, and they had a sign that says, God loves Annie. You know what I think was interesting is that that came from the anti protesters. It didn't come from the protesters. It came from the anti protesters. And I looked at that and I said, God loves everybody. I thought to myself, God loves everybody. If we are truly walking in an attitude of being spirit led, then we will testify of the works of God, not just with our lips not just with our hands, but we will testify with our lives what the love of God really looks like, what the power of God really looks like, and it only comes by inviting the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives. The person of the Holy Spirit. It's my question to you this morning. Do you know him? You may say, Paul, I gave my heart to Jesus many years ago. That's great, but do you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you spirit-led? Well, I gave my heart. That's, I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, is the Spirit the one that's leading your life? Or am I asking you, are you the one that's leading your life? I ask myself that question all the time. I wish I could tell you every time I tell you the Spirit's leading my life. But many times I look and I go, oh, that was a Paul moment, not a God moment. What would it be like as believers? What would it be to our marriages? What would it do to our families? What would it do to our communities if all of us got real and said to ourselves... In every area of our lives, God, show us how to be spirit-led. Think about that. Would you stand with me today? And as the worship team closes with this song, I'm going to ask you, if God is putting it on your heart for you to respond, then you can come to the front and you can respond. I'm going to ask you just specifically. I don't normally just say, hey, this is what I'm asking you guys to do. But if you're here this morning, I'm not asking for the for the prayer people to come up and and uh, and pray for you right now. I'm just saying, if you want to live a spirit-led life, I'm not saying you all know Jesus. But if you don't, or if you do whatever you're coming from in your background, as the worship team begins to sing, I'm going to ask that any one of you, would you just come forward and just fill the front here as we make a declaration this morning to say, I want to live in the power of the Spirit. I want to be led by the power of the Spirit. I want to be instructed by God so that when people see me, they don't see me, they see Jesus. And if that's who you are, and if that's what you're desiring, listen, you don't need to have all your stuff in order. You might look at yourself and go, my life's a mess right now, but I really want that. Can I tell you, Jesus meets you right where you are. He's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for an open heart. So if you're here this morning, as the team begins to sing, and you're saying, yeah, I want to walk and become more spirit-led, would you just join me up at the front so that we can worship God together and make that declaration today? I invite you to come as the team begins to sing.